First Timothy chapter 3, we are uh, focusing on biblical church leadership, and uh, we've talked uh, several Sundays about the importance of church leadership. And so, uh, just a reminder, and we looked at this last week, we're just going to touch on this uh, this week, uh, but Paul, as he was talking to uh, the elders, um, of uh, the Ephesian elders, he said this, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which He obtained with His own blood. And so, uh, last time we looked at this, we looked at the fact that God calls individuals uh, to lead. But I want to point out the two things that are true in this verse as it applies to elders. There's two charges that are given uh, according to church leadership. And so, that, that first charge is this. Pay careful attention to yourselves. The idea is watch over your own life. And so there is a temptation when we are in leadership to go and live in active ways and not appropriate for church leaders. So Paul says, as he's writing to the, to the elders at that church, he says, watch yourself. Watch the way that you walk. Watch your relationship with the Lord. And uh, you are what? You're really caring for others, and so that is that, that charge number two, to care for all the flock. And who is the flock? Well, that is God's flock. That is Christians that are part of local churches uh, just like ours. And so Paul, as he writes to uh, the elders there, he gives them two charges. Number one, watch yourself because you are leading other people and number two, watch God's flock. Care for them. Lead them. And so this study that we've been going through has been an important study. It's been important to the leaders here at Wilton Bible Church, but really it should be important to each one of us because as Christians, as the church, we want biblical leaders. It doesn't matter if you're part of Wilton Bible Church or if the Lord would, would move you away uh, to another state or maybe you're a child here and uh, you end up moving and going to college and moving and getting married and all of those different things. And maybe Wilton Bible Church is not your church, but these are still true, whether it's Wilton Bible Church or whether it's a church in the south somewhere. And so this, these things that we're going to be looking at, these character traits, should be part of leadership. And so I must stress this, as, as I always do, that God calling elders to the task of leading is not an easy task. All right, as we think about leaders within a church, when we think about pastor and elders and deacons, these are not easy tasks because we are supposed to lead you as we follow behind Christ. And so we have a responsibility to follow behind Christ, to always be learning and growing in our personal faith so that we too might lead you to grow and a love for God, and as we think about design for His glory, that we might be more of people that would bring God glory. And that is one of the reasons why I believe Paul says this, be imitators of me, that is, be imitators of me, Paul, as I am of Christ. And, or I am, I'm sorry, as I am of Christ. And, and so we might think, well, that's very proud of Paul, because this is literally what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, hey, watch me. Come over to my house. See what I do. See, see how I study. See how I spend time in prayer. Watch my life and follow me as I follow Christ. Now, Paul is not being proud. Instead, Paul is really communicating this. Look, fellow Christians, look, fellow Christians, follow Christ just as I do. And so it wasn't simply follow Paul. It wasn't, he wasn't saying, you know, if Paul turns left, you turn left. If Paul turns right, you turn right. Instead, Paul said, 
follow me as I follow Christ. Therefore, whenever Paul got off of that trail of Christ, Paul would say, well, don't follow me. And when you read through some of Paul's letters, Paul was not a perfect individual. There are no perfect individuals in God's Word except for Jesus Christ. He's the only perfect individual. And so as we get to uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3 this morning, I just want to communicate this. This is another really important thing that we got to understand is that what Paul is communicating to Timothy is not a new place of leadership. All right, remember we, we looked at kind of that foundation that was laid in the New Testament church found in Acts chapter 6. We did that uh, a couple of weeks ago now. And we saw really that foundation. The apostles were spending their time really uh, handing out money and handing out food, and it was preventing them from doing what God desired for them to do, which was to preach the Bible, to preach the gospel, to preach God's Word. And so if you remember, they said, it is not right for us to do that. And that was really laying the foundation for what we have today, the idea of elders and deacons or overseers and deacons, or maybe your Bible says bishops and deacons. And remember, those are all the, the same idea, pastor, elder, overseer. Uh, we could say bishop. Those are all names reflect shepherds. And so what we have here is important. It should be important to us. And so God used Paul to communicate some guidelines, some qualities that really each one of us should look for in leaders. Whether it's here at Wilton Bible Church or whether it's in a different church or whether you're a young man uh, aspiring to be a pastor, these are qualities that we should have in our life. These are qualities that we should look for in godly leaders. And so, Paul communicates these to Timothy, not a new role, but instead laying some groundwork and saying, hey, you know what, these are things that are important to, to leaders. And of course, God used the New Testament church to preserve the letter here that we have of Paul. So God inspired, He used a New Testament church to preserve, and now we have it here today. And that's one of the reasons why I believe it is also important, because God has kept it for us. But let's say that we just got rid of these qualifications. Let's say that we threw them out the window, that, that God decided not to inspire and preserve them, and, and we have no qualifications. And now the qualifications for the elder or overseer we find here in 1 Timothy, we also find in Titus, and we find little snippets throughout. But let's say we remove those, we'd have no qualifications for what a biblical leader should be. And it's not just our church, it would be every church. We'd have no idea what to look for what would qualify a man to lead as a pastor or as an elder? We'd have no idea. We would just say, hey, you know, I, I think that guy might be a good leader. Let's just choose him. Yeah, he didn't turn out to be the leader we thought he was going to be. Let's get him out. Let's get a new leader in. It'd be like uh, choosing a governor or a president. Hey, let's put this guy in. Maybe he'll do some good things. Now he's not doing good things. Let's get him out. Let's get someone else in. These are some good qualifications something that God kept for us, something that is for also for our leadership. And so these are things that we ought to look for. And so what we want to do is we want to start with the same passage that we started with last Sunday. And so this is 1 Timothy chapter 3. We're just going to read uh, three verses today, verses 1 through 3. And I'll have you stand out of respect for God's Word. Notice here in verse 1 it says this, The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, 
respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. Let's stop there. We'll ask the Lord's blessing upon our time. Lord, we do thank you for keeping what Paul had here for us today. It gives us some guidelines, some qualities to look to to, when we think about biblical leadership. Of course, there could be lots of good leaders in the world that run corporations really well, but don't meet these qualifications because these are special qualifications that you have set up for men that you call into the ministry of leadership within local churches. Again, Lord, we thank you for our elders. We thank you for our deacon. We thank you for our pastors. Lord, as we go through these things today, Lord, help us to continue to grow in these areas. May we continue to have a stronger testimony in these areas. And Lord, as we think about these things, we know that many of these things should be true of each one of us as Christians. Lord, we pray that you would use maybe the young men here, the young ladies here, as they continue to follow your will for their life, as they continue to mature into young people, into young Christians. You would help them to pattern their, pattern their life after things such as this. And for us as adults, whether we're in church leadership or whether we're in just everyday leadership, help these things to be a part of our life. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you may be seated. What I want to do for you is, as we're thinking about these, this 1 Timothy chapter 3 uh, passage. It's not by accident uh, that we are here this morning. This actually comes out of our church constitution. And so if you've ever read our church constitution, uh, I took a little snapshot of it for us. I don't know if it's big enough for you to read or not, but uh, I'll give you an idea of what it says here, although I'm going to make it a little bigger on my screen as well. And so uh, qualifications. So this is uh, section one. Uh, I believe there is three sections. There's uh, a section for elders, there's a section for pastors, and there's a section for deacons. And so uh, this outlines just the elders of our church as we think about um, as we think about church leadership. And so, first of all, notice the qualifications here. Each member of the board of elders must be, and then it gives us what they must be. They must be an active member of this church for at least one year. And so this gives us an opportunity as a church and as leaders to evaluate whether or not they have a testimony, whether they, they actually have these different things in their life, whether they have the qualifications to be an elder, all right? And maybe, maybe one year maybe is a little too short to really get to know uh, someone, but that is uh, what we have in our Constitution one year. Then notice next here, manifest the fruit of the spirits, and that's from Galatians 5, 20, 22 through 26. So our elders should be men who really are not controlled by the flesh, but are controlled by what? The Spirit. So we are looking for Spirit-led men. Now notice here, possessing qualifications described in 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 7, that's what we're working through right now. Titus 1, 6 through 9, that's another portion of Scripture that talks about elders or, or shepherds. And then it says, that last bullet there says, failure to maintain the qualifications or the spirit of this constitution shall be cause for dismissal by the vote of the board of elders or the membership. And so this, the way that this is written in our church constitution, we we're supposed to take this very seriously, that the guys that we are thinking about church leadership should meet these qualifications. And those guys that don't meet these qualifications, that we should evaluate and wonder whether or not they should be part of church leadership. That is the way that our church constitution is written. 
And I think that's the biblical approach to the way that we also should look at church leadership. All right, if we want to have a biblical leadership kind of idea within Wilton Bible Church, we have to ask the question, what does the Bible say about leaders? And then if they don't meet those qualifications, what do we do about that? And those are really important things. And, and sometimes, uh, very sadly, sometimes leaders do have to re- be removed from leadership. I'm not aware, and maybe it's happened in the history of Wilton Bible Church. It hasn't happened since I've been a part of Wilton Bible Church. But I do know that it's happened in other situations in other churches. Whether it's deacons or elders, they're, they're found to have something in their life. And they have to be removed from leadership. Matter of fact, a, a, a church uh, that, that our church is close to, actually, actually had a, had a pastor who was, was found to have an affair with someone in the church and ended up leaving the ministry. So those things are, are sad but appropriate because when they no longer meet those qualifications, we should reevaluate whether or not they should continue to be those church leaders. And so this is one of the reasons why, and I know I'm, I'm pushing it really hard this morning because these are really important. The stuff that we're learning here, we shouldn't take lightly. The things that we're learning here are very important. And so if you remember, we said there's four, quali- four major qualifications as we think about this portion in, in 1 Timothy chapter 3. There's, tem- there's, there's testimony. There is uh, how we lead our family. There is what outsiders, what the world thinks of us. And uh, I am remem- I'm forgetting that fourth uh, quality there. Let me look over it real quick. Manage his own, own house. Oh, must not be a recent convert. So someone who is mature, that is that, that fourth quality. And that's really the four qualities, the four major qualities we should be looking for in leadership. Someone that has a right testimony. Someone who manage their, manages their home correctly someone who is strong in their faith, spirit-filled men, and also that very last one, someone who has looked well outside the walls of the church as well. And so we're not going to cover all four of those today. As I began studying, uh, we're only going to bite off just number one today, testimony, because there's just enough within these two verses, verses 2 and 3, that's going to last us the entire time, and I better really get started on it because we're going to be here for a while. But it's going to be good, and I'm going to illustrate them for you as we move through these. And so again, we're thinking about testimony, testimony of people in leadership. And notice again what Paul says, therefore an overseer must be above reproach. And we looked at this idea last time we were together. Above reproach is the idea of testimony. It's not, I think I'm above reproach, or that another thinks they're above reproach. But instead, it is eyes looking at leadership, and they say, hey, you are above reproach. Your testimony is in good standing. Move forward. And so if you remember from last week, God calls and the church, um, oh, God calls and the church, what is it? Confirms. Somebody was taking some good notes. God calls and the church confirms, all right? And so uh, when we think about the church, we should think, well, or when we think about leadership, we should think above reproach, all right? What is their testimony, all right, and then look as we continue in verse 2. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach. That's the idea of testimony. The husband of one wife, and, and we touched on this uh, last week, and we do want to uh, touch on it again today, because men in leadership ha- should have eyes for their wives only. All right, we looked at this about what it could mean and what many guys uh, think it means. But literally, the Greek is this, a one-woman man. The idea is that he has eyes for his wife only. And let me just say, this is not just a qualification for leadership, all right? It should be a qualification for every single Christian guy here, all right? If you are married, you don't become really friendly with other married 
ladies, you're really friendly with your wife, all right? You have eyes for your wife only, okay? And so we need to, as men, it doesn't matter if you're a pastor or an elder or a deacon or just a member of Wilton Bible Church, our eyes as married guys should be for our wives and not for other ladies, all right? I know in today's society that could be difficult. You look once, but you don't look twice, all right? And that should be our biblical approach. It doesn't matter if you're a leader. It doesn't matter if you're an elder. It doesn't matter if you're a deacon or a pastor. That should be true of every married man. And if you're not married, all right, keep your eyes to yourself as well, all right? It's okay to find a wife in the church. That's a great place to find a wife, all right? But don't find a married wife in the church, all right? That's not a good place to find a wife. And so if you're, a, if you're a young man here, marriage is great. And one day when you get married, have eyes for your wife. And so as we think about this idea of a husband of one wife, this is really something that should be true, not just of leadership, but that is one thing that we should look for. For the leadership of Wilton Bible Church, do our leaders, are they faithful to their wives and their families? Do they have eyes for their wife only? And if there are leaders who seem to be friendly all over the place, then that should be someone that maybe we should not consider as church leadership. But really, that should be true of each one of us. And I should say that it's not just husbands, okay? I know husbands probably uh, have a, a tougher time with this. But if you're a wife here, hey, have, have eyes for your husband only, all right? Don't pick up that sleazy novel and read through that. Just uh, focus, on, focus on your husband, all right? Even if he's getting a little tummy, okay? Sometimes that happens. Husband of one wife. That's what we should be looking for in leadership. Men who have eyes for their wife only. That second idea there that Paul communicates is sober-minded. Sober-minded. What, what are we talking about here? Well, literally, the Greek word means this. Wineless. Wineless. The, the idea comes from to be sober but Paul is not talking about the idea of, of drinking alcohol. He's going to get to that portion in the very next verse. Instead, what he is talking about is really having a clear mind, being someone who can make rational decisions, someone who is sober-minded. Paul says, look for people who are clear-minded and have clear perspectives, people who are balanced in their spirits, and free from rash actions, a man who is sober in his thinking. All right? That's what we should be looking for in leadership. Sober-minded individuals, people who have, clear that have a clear thinking ability, people who are sober-minded. All right? Number, number three here as we think about what are some characteristics our leadership should have. We should be self-controlled individuals. Paul is referring to a disciplined man, a man who knows how to prioritize, a man that knows what comes first, a man who prioritizes spiritual things. A pastor shared with me a, uh, a story that he heard from a friend. There were uh, they, he heard it from a friend, and they were, they were part of, his friend was part of like a, uh, a group of churches, and these churches would send out um, uh, young pastors to learn under other pastors, like, like interns, and so you didn't really have a choice of where you went. They would just kind of send you to the church. You'd learn underneath the pastor. Well, this new intern showed up to learn under the senior pastor, and, and uh, what he began to notice is that every day in the office, that senior pastor was just reading novels. He was like reading like Tom Clancy novels. And so this kind of, kind of like, he scratched his head. He goes, I don't think there's, there's something seems to be off here about this senior pastor. 
There's one thing that really kind of was the last straw for this intern before he, he called up the whatever the head office and asked to be reassigned is that a call came in late in the day, and it was a lady, and, and she was very distraught on the phone, and, and the intern picked it up, and how can I help you? And, and she said, I, I'm just not sure what I'm doing here, and, and I'm not sure if, if life is really even worth living, and really, I need someone to talk to me. I'm thinking about ending it all. And so he said, okay, we'll be right there. And, and he hung up the phone, and, and he turned to the senior pastor, and he said, all right, let's go. This, this lady really needs our help. And this is the way the story was told to me. The senior pastor looked at his watch and said, well, it's about quitting time. How about we do that tomorrow? And that young intern grabbed his Bible and grabbed that senior pastor and said, no, we're going to do it today. And they went and visited that lady. But that was a man in leadership that was not sober-minded. He didn't know how to really prioritize. What was he prioritizing? He was prioritizing himself. He was prioritizing his flesh. He was prioritizing his time, not how he should use his time. And so as we think about pastors and elders, we have to have people that have right priorities, people who are willing to help when when help is needed, self-controlled individuals. Self-controlled leaders is someone who prioritizes spiritual matters rather than the matters of the flesh. In short, a spirit-filled man is a self-controlled man. And that's one of our qualifications, right, that we looked at. One of our qualifications for elders is that they be spirit-filled men, not flesh-filled men. And so that's the idea of self-controlled. The next word that Paul uses here is respectable. This gives the idea of appropriate and orderly. This is someone who can read a situation and acts accordingly. Let me give you an illustration of, of how this plays out in, in real life. Uh, before uh, Brooke and I came to Wilton uh, Bible Church, we visited a church in in San Francisco, and we thought, well, maybe the Lord would lead us to be a part of that ministry. And so uh, we, we went in, and, and I just went in because I was, I was uh, part of a church in the foothills. Uh, we were just a country church, and so I came in with a nice pair of slacks and a nice collared shirt, and that was it. I was just coming just to meet the pastor. But you know what I noticed when I walked in the door of the church? Everybody had suits and ties on. Everyone had sports jackets and ties on. And it wasn't Sunday. It was just like a Tuesday during the week. And so the senior pastor and the assistant pastor, and believe it or not, even the secretary was a guy behind the desk. He had on a sports jacket and a tie. And I thought to myself, well, this is kind of peculiar. I mean, I'm not used to seeing people dressed like this throughout the week, maybe like on a Sunday. And so I kind of scratched my head. It didn't really make sense to me until we went out for lunch. See, we went out for lunch, and we went down, and, and uh, we went to this nice restaurant uh, there in San Francisco. And I, I say nice. It wasn't really expensive. It was uh, just a place that was nice to eat at. And, and as we got out of the car and, and uh, we walked down the street to this restaurant, you know what I noticed? All of these businessmen, all of these businessmen wearing ties and suit jackets, and nice clothes, and, and my eyes turned to the pastors, and they were wearing ties, and suit jackets, and, and nice clothes, and I, I looked to the businessmen, and they were wearing the same thing, and I thought to myself, this is, they're, they're meeting the expectation of the people here. Now, where I was a pastor there in Sonora, if I walked around in a, in a suit jacket and a tie every single day, in town, people would take a double, like they'd be going, who is this guy? I would stand out. But there, they were meeting the expectation. And so when you think about respectable, this is someone who knows how to read the situation and act accordingly. All right, and so as we think about those in leadership, we should have people who are respectable, people who know how to read the situation and act accordingly. Number, uh, number E here, 
We have to look for guys who are hospitable, guys who are welcoming. Literally, this, this word in the Greek means this. It means love of strangers. That should be what our leadership is, people who love strangers. Whether you're an elder or a deacon or a Christian, we should, get time, we should take time to get to know one another. And so, hospitable should really be a part of every Christian's life, not just the church leadership. And, and uh, we have an opportunity. And so, uh, hopefully here in the fall, I see Janet right there. She normally heads it up. Uh, we're going to, Lord willing, start uh, dinner six again, and that's when you invite people over and have a dinner around some food. Get to know people. It's a great opportunity for you to show hospitality to others in your church. And as always, I always encourage the leadership to sign up for those so that they could be hospitable uh, to you as well. That's something that we should look, look for in leadership, people who are hospitable, people who care for others, people who are willing to develop relationships with the flock. Remember what we said, shepherds smell like sheep. Shepherds smell like sheep, and if we're going to be good shepherds, elders and pastors, we ought to be hospitable. We ought to be people who are known to be able to open up their home uh, to others within our church. And so, well, one way we can do it, and one way I encourage you to do it, whether you're an elder or a deacon or just a regular person, is uh, every, the first Sunday of, of every month, we take the Sunday night off and we have fellowship in personal homes. I encourage you to invite another family over. If you've got, you got a big kitchen table and a big eating area, maybe invite two families over and uh, have, a, have a good time around some food. Get to know people. Be hospitable. That should be true of every Christian. But as elders and deacons, we ought to lead in that. People should know how to be hospitable from our leadership. All right, the next uh, qualification that we see here is able to teach, able to teach. This qualification really sets um, the elders or the overseers or the pastors apart from everybody else, because not everyone is, is qualified to teach. Not everyone feels the calling to be able to teach. But one of the qualities, one of the qualifications that Paul outlines for an overseer, an elder, and a pastor is someone who is able to teach. And notice, able to teach, but not necessarily someone who teaches every Sunday. All right? They're simply able to teach. They're willing to teach. If the opportunity arises, they can lead a Bible study. If the, if the opportunity arises, they can do Sunday school or maybe preach behind the pulpit or maybe even just lead someone on a one-on-one discipleship, someone who is willing to teach someone else. This is a good point uh, to talk about the difference between elders and pastors here at Wilton Bible Church. It is true that many of our elders do teach. All right, they do teach. They teach Sunday school. Uh, they teach uh, Bible studies. Uh, sometimes they preach, and so uh, our elders do teach. But our pastors are the ones that have regular teaching opportunities. And so, for instance, I, I regularly preach here, and I teach in chapel. Pastor Peter regularly uh, does a Bible study, and uh, he also teaches in chapel. And so we have regular opportunities, and really, I can't think of a better job than being a pastor. Because what do I get? I get paid to study the Bible and to teach you what I'm learning. I don't know if there's a better job uh, than that. I am really thankful that God called me to be a pastor. There was a young man who uh, came home from church, and, and he told his dad, Dad, I want to be a pastor one day. And his dad said, well, why do you want to be a pastor? He said, well, because I can go to church every Sunday, and because I get to read the Bible. And, and Dad, I would only have to work one day a week. And of course, pastors work more than one day a week 
We're teaching not just on Sunday. There's times throughout the week that we are working and caring and praying and studying. But one of the qualifications, and, and this is really... This, this idea of able to teach, when we go through the list for deacons, you're not going to see it. Because that's not one of the qualifications for, for deacons, but it is one of those qualifications for elders. Again, that's not to say that if, an, if we have an elder of our church that they should teach or be teaching every week or even every month because our elders don't do that but at least that they are willing and able, that is, that's the idea, able to teach. If they were called on to teach, they could. All right, that's the qualification there. Now we get into verse 3. All right, verse 3. Not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. And so, as we continue this, and again, we're thinking about testimony here. And so, so far, uh, we've talked about uh, leaders in church should be guys that have eyes for their wives only. Guys who can think through things instead of just reacting to things. Guys who are spirit-controlled and know how to read a situation. And men who welcome people into their home, and when, given the, oper- when the opportunity arises... They are able to teach, whether in a group or in a one-on-one discipleship program. And so those, uh, that's what we've covered so far. And so first of all, as, as we cover chapter th- uh, verse 3, I should say, not a drunkard. Not a drunkard. Testimony of an overseer should point to a man who thinks clearly because they're not under the control of alcohol. Matter of fact, as, as I was studying, I came across this. This is, a, uh, this is something from one of John MacArthur's uh, books, and so this is a quote that comes right out of uh, one of his books, and it says this, an elder must have a reputation, uh, must not have a reputation as a drinker. His judgment must never be clouded by alcohol. His lifestyle must be radically different from the world and lead others to holiness, not sin. And that's what we're talking about here. When we talk about not being a drunkard, we're talking about leading people in the right way. Remember what Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Would Christ lead people into sin? I don't believe he would. And, of course, this brings up a really debated topic. Is it ever okay for Christians to drink? Because, actually, Paul says this later on in 1 Timothy. And so he actually communicates to Timothy, notice what he says to Timothy, no longer drink only water, but use a little wine for the sake of your stomach. And so people always, they, they go to this and they say, see, Paul said, Timothy, drink a little wine. It's okay, we could drink a little wine. But you know what was happening in that day? There was bacteria in the water. The water was not clean. When they drank the water, it would oftentimes affect their stomach. And they didn't know why, because bacteria hadn't actually been discovered yet. But what they did know, that if they add a little bit of wine, or if they drank a little bit of wine, their stomach actually felt better. And why would that happen? Well, because the alcohol would help to kill that bacteria. And so Paul says this, and this is Paul's advice, no longer drink only water. Timothy must have been a guy that said, I don't want anything to do with alcohol. I don't want anything to do with wine. I'm only drinking water. And Paul says this, but use it in a medical way. Use it to soothe your stomach. Now, today we don't have to drink wine to soothe our stomach, right? We go into Walmart and we go down that aisle and there's a whole aisle full of things to help your tummy. Probably the well-known one is Pepto, all right? So we don't drink alcohol, we don't drink wine today to soothe our tummy, we drink Pepto to soothe our tummy. And so I don't believe Paul is saying, hey, you know what, as, as Christians or as leadership, just go out and, and drink, and that, it's fine, it's, it'll help your tummy. I don't think that's what Paul is saying. Matter of fact, 
The alcohol that we have today is unlike the alcohol that they had there uh, during uh, Paul's time and, and during Timothy's time. Because over the years, uh, we as, as mankind have gotten really good at refining alcohol and making more and more potent alcohol. And today, the world drinks not to soothe their stomach, but really to get drunk. And there are some people who really struggle with it. There's even some people within a church, such as ours, that really struggle with addictions, and one of the addictions they struggle with is an addiction to alcohol. And so we as leadership, we would never want to play into that addiction. And for me, someone could put a, I don't know, a brandy, I don't know if that's the right term, in front of me, and I, would, I, I could pour it out. It, it would have no effect on me. But there are other people that they see that cup of brandy and all of a sudden their mouth starts to water. And so we need to stay away from those things that would lead people to sin. And so I believe that's what Paul is communicating here when he says, Do not be a drunkard. Be controlled by the Spirit, but also do things in such a way that we lead people to holiness, not to sin. And really, we could, we could probably talk about that whole idea of alcohol in a whole message because there's lots of illustrations throughout the Bible uh, that talk about that subject, but we're not going to get into that today. All right, notice the next thing that uh, Paul lists here. Not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome. So this would be uh, H under our list of testimony when we think about leaders, we want people who are not violent. They're not easily angered. They don't have uh, lots and lots of hot buttons that uh, you're afraid to cross their path because you might get yelled at. Instead, really, our leaders should be gentle. They should be, not, they should be people who are not easily provoked to a fight, is the idea that, that Paul has here. There's a famous... Uh, so what Swahili proverb that says this, when elephants fight, the grass is trampled. And what does that mean? That means oftentimes when there is fighting within shepherds and there is combat and aggression, sheep get hurt. So Paul says this should not be a part of, of of leadership. These individuals should be patient and gentle. They should show the same type of grace that has been given to them. They should not be men who lose their temper easily. We should be known as gentle shepherds. And many of our shepherds are so very kind and so very gentle. They are not people who are easily tempted to be uh, angry at individuals. They don't have a hot temper. So we show love and grace to others because we have been shown love and grace. Gentle, ec gentle elders exercise their authority with the tenderness of a shepherd and the sensitivity of a loving father. And so as I think about uh, my, my girls... Now, are there times where I can be tempted to have a temper with my girls? Yes. But is it right? No. And so we should think about that as our leaders as well. All right, we should have leaders who are not easily provoked to anger. They're not violent, but they are gentle. They're not quarrelsome. They're not, will, they're not always looking for a fight. That will destroy, that has a tendency to destroy ministries and it does. Many churches have split because guys fight within ministry. Leadership fight within ministry. And then one guy goes one way and another guy goes another way. And the whole church suffers because of it and is divided. And then it's like, well, I can't talk to them because they're part of that church over there. They follow that such and such pastor. I can't believe they would even do that. And so we need to, as we think about our leadership, they ought to be men who are gentle and not quarrelsome. Strife and hot-tempered guys can destroy a church. The last uh, quality that we should be looking for 
in a testimony of a man who would be called to a pastor-elder type of role is someone who is not a lover of money. Now, unfortunately, uh, in today's age, uh, we're familiar with pastors who love money. We read about it on the news about pastors who have really large houses, like million-dollar homes, and they're trying to take all of that off on their taxes, and somehow they're making a, a ton of money, and they have several different cars, and some of them even have a private jet, and yet every time they fill out their taxes, they don't make any money. And so they, they're simply taking from the church and taking from the church and taking from the church. When we think about leaders, we, godly leaders, we should be looking for guys who don't have a love for money. Someone that is not out for church leadership simply to make money. And unfortunately, you know what? Our elders and our deacons, they're all volunteers. So they're not going to make any money doing it. All right? Maybe our pastors, they could be out for money. But you know one temptation there could be for an elder or a deacon, and sometimes even for people within this church, is you know what? I'm going to make the church do what I want because I'm going to give towards that thing. Matter of fact, a, a pastor did share with me a, a sad account. There was a, a couple, and, and they were a very wealthy couple. Um, when, when this pastor and his wife and family first came, they showered them with lots of expensive gifts and really made them feel really welcome. And this, this family was part of the church leadership. They were one of the movers in the church because they gave a lot of money. Well, that pastor ended up having a disagreement with that family. That family ended up leaving the church and pulling all of their money. And so the leadership got together and they thought to themselves, how are we going to survive without this family? Sorry, we're going to have to let you go. So they let the pastor go so that they could have this leadership family, this wealthy family come back. You know what that elder, that deacon did is they controlled the church with their money. And that should not be something that is also part of our church. And that is a temptation, especially if you're a giver, especially if, if you're a really generous giver. So you say, hey, you know what, I'm going to give to the church. Why not give towards what I think should happen? But really, it should be what is best for the church. And if we're placing ourselves under the leadership, it should be guys, elders, deacons, pastors. What do you think? What do you think we need here? How, what part can I play instead of controlling the church through funds? And so not a lover of money. Overseers shouldn't be known as men who love money or who use money to get their way. When we give tithes and offerings, we give them to the Lord, not to the church leadership, not to the pastors, not to the deacons, not to the elders. When we are generous givers, we're giving to the Lord, and that should be our perspective. Who am I giving to? Am I giving to my pet project, or am I giving to the Lord? We ought to see it as giving to the Lord. Well, we're going to stop there. We've talked about, first of all, that very first uh, major division, I believe, here, which is testimony. Do we have Christian leaders, and are we looking for Christian leaders, and, and are you aspiring to be a Christian leader one day? Then these things should be true of our lives. We should be working at these. And I should just say that we as leadership, we are not perfect when it comes to these things. If you watch our lives close enough, you're going to find mistakes. We're still growing just like you are, but we should at least be known. Our testimony should be one that we are known for these things. Again, as we close, this is it. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach. That's the idea of testimony. That's the idea of what other people think. They should be the husband of one wife. They should be sober-minded. They should be self-controlled. They should be respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not 
quarrelsome and not a lover of money. That's the biblical qualifications that we should be looking for in the testimony of our leaders. And we should also be considering whether or not we as Christians would meet those qualifications if God was ever to call us into leadership. Again, the only one that really sets apart from this list is that idea of able to teach. That's a qualification that's only given to elders. But everything else here should really be something that is a part of each one of our lives. Husbands of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, and not a lover of money. Would your friends say that's who you are? Elder, deacon, pastor, would the church say that's who you are? Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, today we stop and and we remember this is so very important. Without this list of qualifications, we would have no idea what a a pastor or an elder or an overseer uh, should be. We would have no idea what would make a good biblical leader. Again, Lord, we do thank you for our good biblical leaders. Thank you for the leadership that we have here at Wilton Bible Church. Again, Lord, we thank you for the elders, the way that they pour their, their time, their talents, and their treasures into this ministry. Thank you for the deacon who, who serves and, and visits and, and does things around the church and, and really gives of his life and, and uh, his wife's life to, to the ministry here. So thank you for the Espanitas. Lord, we also thank you for the pastors that we have here. Thank you for Pastor Lovelace, Pastor Callison. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to preach the Bible here. And Lord, we pray that you'd be continuing to raise up new individuals to answer the call to church leadership that they would already be working on these areas if they are not currently meeting some of these these testimony standards. They'd have a desire to allow you to change their lives, that they would say no to themselves, and they would say yes to you, that they would be self-controlled men, men that would be willing to be spirit-controlled. So help us to be sober-minded about these things. Lord, we also thank you for each individual that is here. Thank you for your flock. We are reminded that you are the good shepherd and that truly even as leaders, as pastors and elders, we still find ourselves as sheep as well. And that's why we must watch ourselves as well as watch the flock. And so, Lord... Help us to grow. Help us to live lives that would bring you glory. Help us to be leaders that would bring you glory. May Wilton Bible Church and Wilton Christian School continue to be a place where you are magnified, where there is a greater love for you. In Jesus' name, amen.